this is Jeff. Welcome on into another episode of the Triart Academy podcast, where it's always better to get good rather than get wrecked. In this episode, we're going to be looking at a legendary creature who, while isn't talked about all that often, nevertheless provides an opportunity to play draw-go-control in a manner that has the capacity to squelch the opposition into submission. Cole will be putting on his trusty lab coat and taking the reins mostly for this episode. And I'll tell you, this one is a doozy. In the words of Bill Nye, ladies and gentlemen, safety glasses on. Many of you probably are very familiar with Niv-Mizzet the Fire Mine. Originally printed from Guild Pack during the Ravnica City of Guild's block. And if you ever played with him or against him, then you probably know he's synonymous with the Curiosity combo. And now you're thinking, but wait, this is CDH. What the hell would we be talking about Curiosity Combo, much less playing Curiosity Combo in a question in the first place? Good question. Normally, the original Niv-Mizzet comes with the tap ability to order draw a card, which makes him rather prone to removal. And without a land like Cavernous Souls to protect him while he's on the stack, you almost certainly need a free counterspell to protect him. But what if we said there's a way to make a Curiosity Combo work to your advantage without actually having to expand too much of your own resources and or wait for your next turn. Enter Niv-Mizzet Payroom. Printed recently from Guilds of Ravnica, this version of Niv-Mizzet comes with built-in protection and quite a bit of extras to boot. Sure, Niv-Mizzet Payroom from Guilds of Ravnica is a 6 CMC legendary dragon wizard. And the cost on that is 3 blue and 3 red. This spell can't be countered. It has flying. It also says, whenever you draw a card, Niv-Mizzet Payroon deals one damage to any target. Finally, it also says, whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell, you draw a card. If you ever had a curiosity for explosive bouts of weird science, but you couldn't stand your general gun encountered, then this version is better suited for you. Because this time around, Niv-Mizzet comes in with built-in counterspell protection and can draw cards off from your own instant and sorcery spells as well as instant and sorceries of others. Which means, other than cards that deny you extra draws like Narset, Farter Veils, and Notion Thief, almost no other cards can stop Niv-Curiosity combo. Really? That's pretty powerful. Oh, most definitely. Man, that's like putting extra cantrips in your cantrip so you can cantrip with a cantrip while you cantrip. Speaking of which, let's talk about some of the strengths of this archetype. I like it. Much like a porcupine in a nudist colony, Niv's sole purpose in life is to be a thorn in the ass of anyone who sits at a table with him. He has no patience for anyone who doesn't expand their own mind or explodes while doing so. Hmm. So, I mean, I would imagine that curiosity might kill the cat normally, but really, really not in this case. <laughs> Uh, you know, in this case, you're talking about curiosity effects really being a killer, and I would imagine it would be necessary to use these kinds of effects in order to get there. Yep. Now, to supplement curiosity, uh, what are we going to be using for curiosity in addition to it? We're also using a tandem lookout and Ophidian Eye to get the job done, which are very similar, but in their own way a little different from in the fact that One's a creature, mm -hmm. the other one's an enchantment that also happens to enchant itself at instant speed. I like that. Speed is killer, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I would also imagine that for every single science experiment that we conduct, we're going to probably need a backup plan in case things go sideways. 
In case of fire, break glass. Right. (laughs) And don't think for a minute in this kind of a situation that we don't have a backup plan either. In this instance, our backup plan actually comes from uh, M20 in the form of Glinthorn Buccaneer. So, just in case you're wondering how this works, here's the recipe. Number one, we'll need Glinthorn Buccaneer on the field along with any curiosity effect attached to him. Number two, we will also need a Major Eldrazi Titan in our deck in order to reshuffle the yard back into our library. And then number three, during our cleanup step, as long as we have eight or more cards in hand at the end of any of our turns, we will automatically win outright. Basically, by discarding the card, by forcing our discard, we will be di- we will be drawn into the effect of the Glinthorn Buccaneer's ability of whenever you discard a card, deal one damage to all opponents. Right, which the- then lets you draw a card right. off of each opponent. Thus, by reinstating the ability, the thing of discard by going down to the cleanup step again. We have to discard another down to seven. Right. Repeat and it's finished. By the way, to those who probably heard of this, doesn't this sound, doesn't this pattern sound familiar? Yeah, it does. It very much sounds very similar to the Git Rock Monster when you're dredging. Exactly. <laughs> and if you said the Git Rock Monster yourself, you're definitely right on the money. In this case, we'll be using our cleanup step to act as a discard outlet, much like Git Rock does with Dak More Salvage. Now, these are probably not the only strengths to consider with a deck like this. In fact, let's go ahead and discuss those individually. Now, those items that relate to our action suite, our commander itself, and the way the deck is built are going to be the specific things that we're going to be touching on. Yes. Number one, of course, the amount of interaction we have here allows us to protect our AB combo Niv Curiosity fairly well. This is because our commander isn't going to be countered through conventional means, by the way, mm-hmm. unless they're running like something like... Something that exiles cards off the stack. Right. Our commander is always going to touch down. Which means that, basically, we're going to save our interaction for protecting our own combo here. Which, in the case of protecting our curiosity effects through other people trying to counter them. Sure. Or protecting the visit from removal. I agree. That's pretty compact when you think about it. Yeah, two cards? Really? Mm-hmm. One of them's in the command zone? <laughs> yeah, seems good. Now, I would imagine also that due to the fact that our commander can't be countered, coupled with its inherent cantrip power, this would definitely lead to a certain sense of inevitability. And the number of cards, frankly, that this commander can draw far outweighs generally any other commander provided that we have gas in our hands. Almost definitely. And another thing about this deck, too, is that this deck inherently because of the nature of its construction, inherently sidesteps a number of common stacks pieces, such as Blood Moon, Arcane Laboratory, just to name the nature of how it's built, and the archetype we're playing which, which is draw-go control, makes us fairly resilient in the mid-to-late game, which is where we shine the brightest. In fact, periodically, just to say it, Arcane Laboratory, in many cases, actually helps us. Right, because you're playing Drago Control and you're basically utilizing everybody else's end step in order to get additional profit off of Nymph Mizzet. And so what that ends up doing is it allows you to basically save your interaction for whoever's uh, basically last in turn order based on priority. Exactly. Now, we'll definitely get into some of the weaknesses in a little bit, but I would imagine in the long run that this would definitely set you up for a potential end-step win? 
More often than not. Yeah, you just literally cast Ophidian Eye at the end of somebody else's turn when they're all tapped out, and you go bonkers from there. <laughs> Seems good. So, this is like any other deck, and we got some likenesses. And this deck, well, let's just say, is a tad volatile. It's kind of like putting a packet of Mentos in a two-liter bottle of soda. Ooh, that's kind of volatile. I like it. Kind of fizzy. I know, right? And if you've never seen that before, you're in a treat. First thing people might call out when they see Niv here is that it's going to be the obvious glaring, I'd say elephant in the room, but in this case it's like a dragon in the room, right? Right. It's kind of like like your (laughs) in-laws coming over unannounced. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Is a manic cost on Niv here. Oh, God, that's that's (laughs) dreadful. (laughs) This is quite literally one of the worst mana costs that a card can be played at. And this is our commander. So, yeah, scientifically speaking, this is what we call hot buttered garbage. (laughs) So, and it's like, this is literally the worst part about this commander, in my whole opinion, is the fact that because of the fact that he does not have any generic mana symbols in his mana cost whatsoever, Mm -hmm. it literally forces us to play a plethora of mana rocks that are colored. In fact, this actually forces us in a line where most soul, any land that generates colorless mm-hmm. is most often going to be a dead card for casting Niv. Yeah, I've been imagining cards like Mox Diamond, Chrome Mox, Felwar Stone, and similar uh, mana rocks uh, would be the kind of cards that you would have to actually use for your mana acceleration base. Probably even Gilded Lotus, depending on what you decide yeah, to build well, with. Yeah, no. This way, in this case, we got Chrome Mox, Follower Stone, and the like. We also have various other treasure makers. We have also have treasure token makers. In the case of Darkside Extortions, which is highly invaluable in a deck like this. I Captain Lottery Storm we also run. In yep. fact, she actually gives us actually a fair amount of value just in her own right. Right. Because uh, whenever you sacrifice a treasure token... She gets bigger. She gets bigger, which means anything that's four power and greater at a bare minimum is going to get smacked in the face. Oh, yeah, no. Like, if someone... Blo- it's like, she's actually not even half bad on the offense, and someone uses a Thasios as a wall deflector. I'm like, cool. Pop my token. Yep. Smash right through the Thasios. Yeah. We also run Treasonous Ogre to help us out on casting Niv here. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that's a lot of mana. <laughs> yeah. How much is our life value to us? Not enough. Oh. So, plus this... So, after all that, this also leads us into our next point about this card. Because we're not playing green. After all, we're playing Is It Colors here. Mm-hmm. We're not playing green, which means dealing with dull rod effects, since since we talked about treasures and all of our rocks, yeah, no, no rod is a nightmare situation. However, though, mm-hmm. no rod and collector roof can be dealt with. We sure. actually have plenty of answers for them. The card we really want to talk about, though, is Stony Silence. Yep, that's an enchantment. Uh, do not, forever the life of you, if you ever play this archetype, do not let Stony Silence resolve. Uh, yeah. Do not. If you, and the fact is, though, is that it's a frank of nature that if you're dealing with Stony Silence, it's going to be rough. Respond it on the stack. However, though, as a little precaution, though, of how to deal with a Stony Silence, in our opinion, though, is that if your Stony Silence is common in your meta, you can run Urza, High Artificer, as a way to sidestep this issue, and in some ways, even fix your mana base for you to even cast Niv himself. I like that. That's pretty smart. 
Now, like any deck that has a reliance on its commander to win, I would imagine theft and neutralization effects are a problem. <laughs> That's rough. Now, specifically, we're talking about effects like Gilded Drake or even most recently, Oko Thief of Crowns. My God, can you imagine your dragon getting turned into an elk? <laughs> I will proceed to cry in the corner. <laughs> yeah, that would put a real damper on your plans. Uh, so, to deal with these kinds of cards and or effects, you would obviously want to play appropriate interaction. And that would include countering the offending cards, or in some cases, bouncing Niv in order to protect him. Uh, especially with Oko, do not let it pass go. Do not let it pass the stack. Yeah, no, it sh dies on the stack. Yeah. Another big problem that we should talk about, and it's a problem that results in Nymeth's color requirements, of course, is that our land base here mm -hmm. is highly re is highly sensitive to, in fact, two particular cards, in fact. Well, we can play around a Blood Moon all day long, sure. right? And we have set many progressions into place. Two cards in particular that will hate us out, though, Right, with no with no business in their mind. Back to basics and choke. Yep. That's uh, a problem. Yeah. Now, I would imagine back to basics is not that big of a deal due to the high land count, the high basic land count. Yeah, especially, especially on the island compartment there. Right. Which we made sure. Now, choke, on the other hand, though, that's going to be another problem. Yep. Yeah. Your islands don't untap? That's bad juju. Yeah, that's bad juju. We, we need islands here. We have three blue to pay with. <laughs> right. That's called that's called walking uphill with a boulder strapped to your neck. Yeah, no, we don't want to be playing with that type of map. Yeah, no, we're not Sisyphus here. Now, I would also imagine that depending on what you have, since you're heavily dependent upon the commander itself, that your interaction count and your instant speed spells would be a lot higher than normal. But what about the creature count in this deck? Oh yeah, no, and that's a big another big issue about this whole archetype. Right. Is that we're very easily gonna be target number one by a Timna player because of our creature count, in fact, is excessively low for an archetype. Mm -hmm. I think the deck normally runs anywhere between eight and twelve creatures somewhere in that neighborhood. More like I'd say about nine on the top end, actually. Nine on the nine. top end, okay. Yeah, because the fact is though, is that because of Niv's ability we really need a lot of instants and sorceries to keep the value train going. Sure. And creatures do not count, does not help us out on that. Which, however, though, backfires against us, against Timna variant decks, who will not be able to pressure, who will not only be able to pressure our life total, but will also give them card draw from our empty board states, which... Is horrendous, especially in the early game. And, you know, when you're talking about pressuring life totals... Uh, necropotence and ad nauseum use also kind of oh, come yeah. to mind. So <laughs> decks that utilize ad nauseum and necropotence, those might become uh, problematic cards for us to deal with if we don't deal with them. Best on the response stack. for those types of cards: counter them. Or in the case of ad nauseum, use Narset's reversal. Narset's <laughs> reversal on ad nauseum, and I've seen you do this before. How many cards did you draw? 20 about, cards with about 20, 25 cards, something like that? Yeah, with 15 life. That seems pretty good. Uh, but, of course, that's RNG-oriented, right? Yes, exactly. I would imagine RNGesus will sometimes declare you a blast. Yeah, no. And I've lost games to RNG to the RNGesus a couple times, in fact, because of one issue. One of the big problems with this type of deck archetype is that it falls under the fact that we are a draw 
go control. Right. Which will mean sometimes poor choice in play at our competitive table will hurt us bad. We can't race fast combo. Bec- and due to a lack of black, meaning that we are light on unconditional tutors. Yep. I'm going to tell you right now, there's it's bad. It's really bad on tutoring. Oh, boy. Right. And, I mean, when you're talking about playing Drago Control, sometimes the table will look at you like you're the table policeman. And that's not necessarily our role there. Uh, no. It's not expected for you to be the table police. And as such, you're going to have to be somewhat reliant upon other decks for interaction as well. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a situation where you're going, like, second to last or last, that could put you behind the eight ball. Oh, yeah, no. When people look at you and go, hey, you're the table police, so we're going to make you the guy to keep everyone in check. Sure. Yeah, no, that's bad time, bears. Oh, yeah, then bad that's news. bad news, bears. <laughs> so, let's actually talk about playing this deck here. We actually talked about the commander and some of the pros and cons about this. Let's actually talk about playing this deck. So the way we get here is playing a little archetype known as Drago Control. And to help make that happen, we play a heavy saturation of interaction in the form of counter spells, removal, and other disruptive cards to help slow the game down to a crawl. Likewise, like any good scientist, we must do our research before we conduct our experiment. Therefore, card draw is essential so that way we can find answers for cards in play and being played. Furthermore, tutors are also important because we may want, at any point, some particular card that can either disrupt the player or outright win the game. And since these are somewhat limited in the deck, we must use them conservatively. Two cards I also like to mention in this, while we're talking about tutors in fact, are two cards called Metal the Mixture and Drift of Phantasms. Mm-hmm. In specific, they deserve some mention in a deck like this. Because they pull double duty in this type of archetype. First off, they are can either be a tutor or act as a disruptive card in play. Sure. Also, not to make notion and definitely not definitely not worth last. Narset's reversal can be used to steal our opponent's spells or create unofficial copies of our own spells. In fact, we have hilarious stories about using this to our advantage. Right. So with Drift of Phantasms, that acts as a blocker for any Creature-oriented decks, especially creatures like Timna, for example. You Timna, don't want that block cast, it could block... The fact that it's a 0-5 flying wall. Right, it's a defender, <laughs> it will get the job done. It's not the greatest, but it will get the job, job done. done. Most definitely. As far as Muddle the Mixture is concerned, uh, Muddle the Mixture will counter an instant or sorcery spell that may or may not be relevant. So it's not as good as some other two-mana counter spells like Mana Drain, but it will get the job done as well. But this is where those cards shine. Yeah, this is where those cards shine, because you're talking about the transmutability specifically on that. Muddle the Mixture can find any sort of actual good counter spell, like a Mana Drain, as we mentioned, or a counter spell from God Forbid, uh, or any sort of two-drop Mana Rock that you may need. Two-mana Mana Rock... Removal in the form of... Uh, Reality Gi- Shift. Reality Shift. Gilded Drake. Gilded Drake is a great call, too. Pyro, um, Pyroplasm. Pyroplasm. Sure. Yeah, it does. Wipe the board. And Drift of Phantasms here could find us any three drop that we need, like Ristic Study. Yep. Glinthorn Buccaneer. Yep. In case we're feeling particularly saucy, we could use it to find a Impure Recruiter. Or Ophidian Eye. Ophidian Eye. 
Oh, yeah, no. In fact, the 59 is one of the best targets for uh, Drift of Phantasms. I agree. And, you know, now that we kind of touched on that, as far as Norset's reversal is concerned, you mentioned something about playing against an opponent who decided to accidentally reveal their ad. Yeah, no, it's like, as we stated before, one of the favorite, one of my favorite targets for our Narset's reversal, still is to this day and will probably will ever be, forever will be, is stealing somebody else's ad nauseum off the stack. Yep. How like, many cards did you draw off that guy? Just in one, that's not one situation. I used 15 of my life to draw 20 cards. That's pretty gross. I yeah, like no. it. The worst part is we made him to play his card the next turn. <laughs> <laughs> and I still countered it. <laughs> Let's just say that you should have saw that was a that was a frowny face. <laughs> what what was the name of that knight? I think it was Sir Galahad from Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. <laughs> he chose poorly. <laughs> yeah, no. And the fact is, though, this is just one one instance. We can use this thing to steal counter spells off of stack, just so that we can other cause other counter spells to fizzle. Yep, you can bounce your own counter spell back right to your hand. They can't touch it. Sure. Yeah, we could. Use it to, in fact, one of the funnier, some of the funnier interactions, use it to steal demonic tutors. Sure. Tutor. Demonic tutor instant speed. I like that idea. <laughs> I get what I want instant speed. Ooh, boy. They're like, oh, no. Yep. <laughs> and the dumbest part about this is that if we find ourselves in an emergency situation here, sure. we can use it to copy our own draw spells. God forbid, yes. It's like, we need to dig deep here, boys. What do we need to do? Hey, I got my dig through time. Let's create a copy of dig through time so we can copy with dig through time. <laughs> I'm going to dig through time with my dig through time so I can dig through time while I dig through time. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> it's crunchy. Exactly. But that's just some of the interactions, and I bet you guys have even more stories that you could probably have with this card alone. Sure. So, putting all that into perspective, let's move on to our starting seven. <sighs> Thankfully so, starting hands aren't that exact with a deck like this compared to other decks. It's a lot more fluid than other decks. Uh, a hand with some lands, a couple pieces of relevant interaction, and some draw sources are usually fine to work with. Other acceptable, keepable hands include ones that have a relevant stack piece that you know will screw with the table. Oh, yeah. Graft Digger's Cage and Curse Totem especially cover quite a number of matchups and do so by ruining mana dorks or other relevant commanders like Thrasios for a while. Hands with Ristic Study and or Mystic Remora are also usually good enough to keep, provided you can play that draw engine out and keep making land drops with your starting seven. Most important thing regarding your opening hand is, is to consider the decks you're going against. Yep. If you're looking at a Yisan, a Najila, or something else that's creature-centric, like Blood Moon, for instance. Well, Blood Pod Blood Pod, Blood Pod, sorry. You're going to... Your chances are that your Mystic Remora and your various non-creature counterspells are not going to be all that useful. Sure. Likewise, if you're facing down a Food Chain Sliver deck or various archetypes that are very similar, then Prongify and Gilded Drake aren't usually going to make a big impact in the game. Moral of the story. Choose your starting seven wisely. So, let's talk about some matchups with there. We talked about opening hands, we talked about play, we talked about the pros and cons. Sure. So, the matchups here is that 
for the most part, we actually have some very interesting matchups. But the following, though, is a rough list of things, though, to expect for your matchups. And the info we're providing here will be generally based on Pacific archetypes rather than on Pacific commanders. The reason why is because that game space is currently in a state of flux and is always ever-changing. Sure. So starting with fast combo decks, let's get that out the way, because that is the dragon in the room. That is the big one. That is the dragon in the room. Fast combo decks can be a problem for this deck, especially multiple fast combo decks at the same table as you. As for specific commanders related to this style of play, decks like Gitrog Dredge and Corvold Food Chain are very problematic because they can grind out card advantage better than slower combo decks such as ours. Regarding the Gitrog monster, a well-built Gitrog deck can keep on jamming must-answer cards like Necropotence and Ad Nauseam and usually don't run out of gas all that often. Really, the worst possible role you could be forced into is to have to be the table police. And this is because while you're trying to stop the fast combo deck, or decks, God forbid, your other opponents can very well slip underneath your nose and assemble their own combos while using you as a meat shield with your counterspells. The best way to fight this scenario is to try to get your other opponents to use their counter magic to stop them. In the unfortunate event that you happen to be seated at a table with multiple get wrong decks, <laughs> you're going to be in for one hell of a terrible time. This is, without a doubt, bad news for us. Yep. Due to the fact that there is more than one style of get wrong deck out there, cards that can dig us out of a jam are Cursed Totem and Gildrake, for instance. Yep. But remember that these are only temporary solutions, and Gitrog r- does run Abrupt Decay and Assassin's Trophy. By the way, Abrupt Decay can't be countered, by the way. Yep. And may even run a Homeward Path just to get their frog back. Yep. Prongify will also help us kill the frog with a discard outlet on stack, but then again, this is only a temporary solution. Necropones, Sylvan Library, Ad Nauseam, and the frog cannot resolve whenever possible. Furthermore, Veil of Summer and Autumn's Veil must be countered as well. Savage Summoning, unfortunately, cannot be countered and must be exiled off the stack. Additionally, Gitrog also runs Cavernous Souls to give us the giant FU. Yep. If you can, somehow, exile Riftsweeper, Dakmore Salvage, and their Kozilek or Ulamog from out of their deck. Better yet, even better than that, convince a player playing Black to use Praetor's Grasp if they run it, on Froggy's Dakmore Salvage, because that will slow them to a disgusting crawl. Another note that should be also be brought up is that with Corvold Food Chain, they're a new archetype, but do not let them fool you. They are a very powerful Food Chain archetype. In fact, in my personal experience, even better than Prosh. Mm-hmm. Do not let their commander or Food Chain hit the field ever. ever. The value they can occur off those two cards alone is absolutely disgusting. And the fact is, is that they run Dox... They're probably by far the commander to run a Dockside Extortionist in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hands if, down. If this general hits the field, <laughs> the card advantage that they can squeeze out from creatures like Dockside Extortionist and Viscera Seer will eventually become too much for you to be able to stop. One particular game where I sat down uh, against a fo- uh, food chain uh, Corvold deck, uh, this individual... 
uh, playing against a Bra uh, Drago control deck, not counting me playing, um, I believe it was Blood Pod at the time. I want to say so. Yeah. Uh, had let the Corvo player resolve a Dockside Extortionist for quite a number of treasure tokens. Uh, they eventually then played Corvold, and then after that, they sacrificed Dockside Extortionist, right? Okay. They sacrificed Dockside Extortionist, they draw a card. Then they sacrifice the rest of their treasure tokens, draw that many cards, make that much mana however they want to, and then proceed to cast a one mana reanimation spell. It was specifically unearth on their own Dockside Extortionist. That was painful to watch. You ever want to get kicked in the balls? That's a great way to get kicked in the nuts. <laughs> if I remember correctly, didn't they draw to the win on that one? Yes, they did. On the second go-around, they made more treasure tokens, eventually drew in the food chain, and combo killed us. Ouch. So, and that's like some of the bigger ones. That doesn't mean, though, that every archetype is a bad matchup for us. No, and you're right to make mention of that. In fact, let's get into our next archetype, which is slow combo decks. Most definitely. These types of decks are generally favorable matchups. This is because while we have the ability to grind as well as they do, uh, in part due to our commander while he's on the field, it's also because in part of his ability to draw cards based on instants and sorceries, not just in our deck, but other people's. Consultation decks, however, are a bit problematic for us without niv on the field, as he's our main source of card advantage. Save your counters for Consultation, Pact, Plunge into Darkness, and also save your removal for Labman or Jace Wielder of Mysteries, Lab Jace. In this kind of a situation, Wipe Away is great if you run it. Thassa's Oracle, unfortunately, cannot... And should not resolve, if at all possible, unless you have a Stifle or Trick Bind in your hand, preferably a Trick Bind. Let's talk about option number three here. Stacks. Okay. For instance, some Stacks lists, especially creature-based Stacks lists, can also end up being a positive matchup for us. However, though, this is dependent on the access of their attack. Okay. With that, remember that with Stacks, no two Stacks decks are really the same and they can each approach the attrition game from a different angle. So with that said, let's approach this topic based on the style of stacks cards in question rather than on the Pacific deck. Okay, so Null Rod and other similar style cards such as Collector Oof and Stony Silence are a problem for us and they should be dealt with as soon as possible and on the stack if possible. However, there are some notes to make mention of. With Null Rod and Collector Oof, Null Rod can be shattered, and Collector Oof can be burned. However, Stony Silence is a problem that must be dealt with on the stack, as the only true removal for enchantments that we have is by bouncing them back to hand and then countering them. Winter Orb and Static Orb surprisingly are not much of a problem for us. While we can generally weather through these effects if we play conservatively, as we are not much combat damage-oriented deck, we save our braids and mob salvages for these cards... And we use them when the coast is clear, when other people have used up their resources. Sure. Back to basics, however, is a problem and should definitely be countered, and the same goes for stasis. Agreed. As far as hate bears are concerned, depending on the nature of the hate bear, they aren't usually a problem as we can generally weather them too. We can either surgically burn problematic ones like Kataki, Wars Wage, Vexing Shusher, or Gadab Teague, 
Or we can use a pyroclasm effect to get rid of them. Card draw denial hate bears, however, such as Notion Thief and Alms Collector, must be dealt with on the stack immediately, or else we will not be able to win. Blood Moon effects, which would include Magus and the Moon, actually help us indirectly by fixing our mana base. This is a fine to let go, assuming you have a few islands already on the field to keep your hand. Sure. As far as anti-search effects are concerned, cards like Avon Mind Sensor, Ashiok Dream Render, and Stranglehold can be a problem in the long run for us. However, it isn't something that we can't weather through either, as our commander can draw his cards and ping things along the way. Avon Mind Sensor can be burned, and so can the Ashiok Planeswalker from War of the Spark. But, Stranglehold is a bit trickier because it's an enchantment. Ideally, you'll want the greatest affected player to deal with Stranglehold specifically for you, but only let Stranglehold stick around if there's a deck that relies on extra turns and or tutoring or tutor searching to get the job done, and especially if you do not have a tutor in hand. Rule of Law, Arcane Laboratory, and Eidolon the Herard are fine to let go, usually because we're actually more of a draw-go style control deck. However, though, Deafening Silence, however, though, is one caveat. We should deal with it if they're put into a deck that is a creature-centric for the most part. Agreed. As far as control decks are concerned, this is the next archetype we will touch on. Decks like Baral, Chief of Compliance, which is a Drago control style deck, and 4C Curiosity Control are usually not a problem. In situations like that, we can usually, for 4C Curiosity, drop an Ophidian Eye or Curiosity on their Vile Smasher and piggyback right off of that. Almost definitely. However, be wary if a Xur sits at your table, and this is a completely, totally different uh, situation that we need to touch Almost on separately. Xur the Enchanter, frankly, deserves his own section, which is an exception due to the different ways that Xur can be built optimally. <laughs> if Xur sits down, then you can be safe to either expect a Xuran Consultation build or a Shimmer Xur deck. If you're unsure, then assume Zuran Consultation for the time being, unless they drop Shimmermere. That is a dead giveaway for Shimmer uh, Zur. In any case, do not let Zur resolve if possible, and definitely do not let them attack with Zur. The last thing you want them to do is find a Necropotence. Last but definitely not least, control variants of Zur are rather clunky. However, though they do exist. Yep. And you should be able to spot them quite easily if they drop like a rest in peace or stop dropping other more unusual enchantments. Be wary though of a Helm of Obedience if they put out rest in peace from their deck. Agreed. So with all that said, a final note or two regarding the deck in question. Other cards that punish us for playing on other people's turns, like Price of Glory, are problematic for us. These kinds of cards cannot resolve as they are detrimental to our draw-go control plan. This also includes City of Solitude, Dose in the Falling Leaf, Grand Abolisher, and others like it. Finally, this deck is also matchup dependent. In plain simple English, that means three things. A. Do not go casting Niv-Mizzet as early as possible. That's one of the quickest ways to get blown out of the water. B. Be patient and selective in what you counter and what you deal with. 
and C, if you're going next to last or last. Let others deal with problems before you do, if and when possible. Now, that's all the time we have for this episode of the Triart Academy podcast. We would like to send a quick shout-out to Deke Mana and the rest of the NivMizzet Payroom Control CDH Discord channel for their insight on this beautiful archetype. Mm -hmm. I will be posting my list, as long as Deke Mana's list, which is the source of inspiration for building this deck. If you like this content and want to support the channel, feel free to like, share, and subscribe for more content. And as always, it's, it's always better to get good rather than get wrecked. Safety glasses off, motherfuckers.